We're going to start over here in 1 John 4 and verse 1. 1 John 4 verse 1, it said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so this is about our main text on this series we've been in, on hearing, believing, and testing the word that we hear from God. Because there's many Christians who believe that, they, that God said one thing to them, and then sometime later they go off and they do something else. Maybe even a week later. And if, if God really said it, they ought to stick with it. We've got to find out what it is that God has said to us. Know that God did it. Know that God said it. And stay with it. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. There are a lot of spirits that are going to speak to you. There are a lot of things that are going to come your way. But test the spirits, whether they are of God. We are not to test the truth of, a, of what we receive. You are not to test whether it's true or whether it's false. That's not what we're told. Too many Christians are distracted by the truth of something. When Satan came to, get to Eve in the garden, what he said was not completely untrue. There was a lot of truth in what he said. Where she got off was she didn't check the source. Others will speak things to you that's not for your benefit. But God will always speak what is to your benefit and what will benefit the kingdom. Don't get caught up in the truth test because what the devil puts out for us, what the enemy puts out is not always false. It's not completely false. It may just be false in any application that we're trying to tie in. But he said, But test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many. Not just a handful. Many. Once we take on the wrong thing from God, or think it's from God, once we take on the wrong thing, we had then become a false prophet. We're going out with false stuff. It's not from God. In James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom... This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But we see from here that where, self, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Most people become confused about what God said because they allow envy and self-seeking to creep in. They begin to seek after things for themselves. What is my benefit? What is good for me? They become envious of what other people have. We looked at some that had this problem. Saul was one who had this problem. Saul heard from God, go and do this. And what happened was envy and self-seeking came in and two times we saw that he corrupted the word that God had given him. And he didn't, didn't hold to it, to it. One time, he offered the sacrifice he wasn't supposed to offer. That was the one thing. Then he went out there to do the work of God and to uh, execute God's judgment on a nation. And he didn't do it. He brought back the best of the land. Because, well, he gave his reasons for it. But it became envy and self-seeking. Adam and Eve, they clearly knew what God had said. 
but it became cloudy to them because they weren't sure. Well, has God really said what is our benefit? Has God really said what is good for us? Because we just heard that if we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this and this will happen. Well, these are things that we have to make sure that we, we check out. Well, who was... Today we're going to take a look at a guy by the name of Damas, and we're going to see who was this guy. This guy, Damas, all of a sudden pops up in the Scripture. And we have it here in Colossians chapter 4, and verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, and Damas greet you. Now, Damas is a Greek name. He's not born a Jew, because Jewish people don't name their kids after Greek, Greek names. They named them after nice Hebrew names. So he's not born a Jew. He was likely a convert of one of Paul's missionary journeys. He could have been a worshiper of idols. He could have been involved in pagan worship practices. But he gave this up. He gave up his pagan life. Gave up his pagan idols. Gave up his pagan friends, probably. He gave up all those things to accept the message of the Word of God. He did this because he heard Paul preaching about the Word. And he accepted it. And he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He didn't just stop there. In Philemon 1, verse 23... Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So not only did he get born again, he became a fellow laborer with Paul. How easy is it to get on Paul's missionary team? Paul's pretty tough. Paul was pretty tough as to who he brought on. If, if, if he saw something good in you, if he saw an anointing in you, he'd bring you on. But then, traveling with Paul is not easy. And we saw some people who had left and deserted and had gone or gone astray even. Things that um, it, just, it just didn't go so well for them. He said, Damas, my fellow laborer, that he is a fellow laborer with Paul in the things of God. So he's out there. Not only did he get born again, not only did he get saved, not only did he listen to the words of Paul, but he went on from there. And he became a fellow laborer. We see that Paul actually took him on his missionary team, not just ministering in the area where he was born at or lived at, but that he actually followed Paul around and went from place to place as Paul had gone. Now, how many people have done this with Paul? Well, we know of a handful of, of, of people that had done so in Scripture maybe two handfuls, that had gone on Paul's way and had suffered things with him, had uh, been in prison with him, had been beaten with him. And apparently, Damas went through some of this. How much he went through as far as being beat for the gospel or being put in prison, we don't know. But he followed him. And this is not an easy thing because how many times did Paul go into a city and a riot started? And people on his team were being picked on. But Paul saw enough in him to add him to his ministry team. So here's some things to just tell you about him. First off, his conversion was genuine. He was genuinely converted to the things of God. He was and had grown spiritually. So once he got converted, he accepted those things, the word that was, he was hearing the word. He was growing spiritually because you cannot be on Paul's missionary team Unless he sees growth in you. And Paul knows how to see growth. Remember he told the, the uh, Corinthians, I should be able to give you meat 
but you haven't grown, so I'm still giving you milk. He can recognize growth. And he saw growth in this one and he brought him along on his team. He was devoted to the ministry of the gospel. Paul doesn't bring people along on his team that are not devoted. You've got to show a level of devotion to the gospel, to the things of God. And Damas did that. He even left behind his friends, family. Whatever kind of ties he had before he was born again, he left them behind. Because Paul's not bringing someone along who hasn't severed ties with the things of the world. So this guy, Damas, has severed ties with the things of the world. He has grown spiritually. He has seen by Paul to be useful. Paul's not bringing people along who aren't useful. He could do something in the ministry. Whatever it was, we don't know. Maybe he just set up chairs. Whatever it was, Paul saw it worthwhile that Damas was brought along on these things. But then we come to a particular verse of Scripture that I want you to call your attention to in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. So Damas, who got born again, probably under Paul's ministry, don't know for sure, but probably under Paul's ministry, had been growing, had, had usefulness in the area of ministry, had traveled with Paul to different cities. It says, Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Now, this is written in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is the last epistle that Paul wrote before he died. So, whenever it was that Damas got picked up, he stayed with Paul all the way until the end when Paul was going to be killed. And then somewhere in his last imprisonment, Damas leaves. And Paul's able to write about it. This would tell me that more than likely he was here at the, wherever Paul was being imprisoned. He was at the prison. And somehow at the prison, he left. He departed. Ruiz puts this verse this way. For Damas let me down, having set a high value upon this present age, and thus has come to love it. Damas has let me down, having set a high value upon this present age, and thus has come to love it. The New King James said, having loved this present world, having loved this... Now, he loved God. He got born again. He accepted the things of God. But there was a love for the things of the world. And that's not just an average, everyday kind of love. That's the word comes from agape. This is a high love for the things of the world. And he loved the things of the world. How do we... How can we follow in the footsteps of Damas? We don't want to follow in the footsteps of Damas. But if I know how to follow in those footsteps, I can make sure that I don't. Haven't we always thought, well, I'll never fall away. I'll never fall from the things of God. I know that I'll I'll stay with, with God no matter what. And yet, if we look in the Bible, we find out that there are some pretty high powered players who fell from the things of God. One of them was a, was a, a being called Lucifer. Highest of all of God's creations. One that God depended on greatly. And he decided, I can do better. Adam, can you get any better as far as a man is concerned than Adam? 
He's perfect in creation. Walked with God. Walked with God. Had conversations with God. Talked with God. God would show up and they would just walk in the garden. And he could ask them all kinds of questions. Questions about the universe. Questions about creation. Probably questions about other planets, other places. And God would freely talk with him. And he fell. How many people that were, were helpers for, for Moses fell? How many folks that were helpers with Paul fell? Jesus, even one of his disciples, fell. Jesus, as, a, as your teacher, not just a teacher, he, he was your mentor, and he fell. See, if we begin to think, well, I'm not going to fall, we can begin to have a problem. And how do you become a false prophet? Except that you have fallen. It is Christians who believe that they hear from God, who hear something wrong, accept it as truth, accept it as from God, and then begin to go out and live by it, preach it, do things according with it, and then they become that false prophet. Many false prophets have gone out from you. We have to stand on guard and take seriously, how do I keep from being a false prophet? How do I keep from not being able to discern what is right, what is good, what is in the Word of God? How do I keep from doing that? That's what we want to look at here. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. And he gets some other people who, who left as well. How many of you get from this verse that Paul needed them there? Paul, a person who was so instrumental in taking the gospel to so many places in the world, needed someone like Damas, and Damas left. Davis left. Well, the enemy's tactics. We've talked about these before, but let's go over them again. You can never be too familiar with the enemy's tactics. can never be too familiar. Now, we're getting close to football season, right? I know some of you folks don't like football. Some of you folks do like football. But one of the things that you, even if you don't like football a whole lot, one of the things you will know about football is that a football coach, before they play another team, will look at film. They want to study the offensive and defensive tactics of the other team. The way the football is set up, if you are in a division and you have a division rival, the Eagles have four division rivals. You will play each of those rivals. I'm sorry, they have three divisions. There's four in a division. They will play each of those rivals two times. When they play them the first time, they will look over all the film they have on those. When they play them the second time, they will go back and look at all the film again and any new film that has come out. And they will examine what did they do to us last game? What had they done to some other teams? What are their tactics on defense? When they're in this lineup, what kind of a thing do they usually do? When they're in offense and they're in this kind of a lineup, what do they do? And they study their tactics. And they never say, well, we studied that team before. We studied that team last year. Why should we have to study that team again? We already studied that team. They don't do that. They keep studying the tactics. We've got to know the tactics of the enemy because the enemy is out to get you and he's very patient. But God also is here to help you. 
He's here to keep you on that, on that side. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14, familiar scripture to us, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. This is the interpretation that he's given to his disciples. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The first thing he does is he comes and he takes away the word that was sown in your heart. This is his first tactic. When you receive the word of God, when the word of God comes to you, he's going to come and and try and steal that. It's not just the word for salvation. The word of God may come to you that Jesus is the healer. The word of God may come to you that Jesus is the provider. Revelation may come to you about another aspect of God or how God's going to help you in your life or what God's going to do for you. Revelation will come as soon as that word is sown, the enemy tries to steal it. If he can steal it, it's all over. So the first thing he tries to do is to get you to not believe the word that you had. We've had uh, ministers like Jay and Tommy who came here. We've had uh, ministers like Sister Annie who came here. And certain people were prayed for and received healing. And they left the meeting. I believe I was, I believe I'm healed. I, that condition that was there, I had pain, I don't have pain now. And they go from the meeting and then sometime next day, two days, three days, over the next week, whatever it might be, a pain may return. And the thought comes in, it says, I thought you got healed. If you got healed, why are you having pain? I thought I was healed too. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. And things will come in and begin to get you to doubt the word that you believe. Because the way that he'll steal it is to get you to doubt it. If you doubt it, you will let go of that word that you received. Now, some folks have, have learned, no, I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to let that go. I'm going to hang on to that. You take the, the truth that we're going to heaven. We all believe we're going to heaven. We all believe that heaven, in heaven, there is a place prepared for us. We believe that God has made a mansion for us because Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. I'm making a mansion for you. I'm making a big place for you. Right? We believe that. Yet we've seen no pictures. We don't know where heaven is. We don't know where it exists. Most of us don't even know anybody who's been there. But we believe it. We believe it, right? He can't steal that word from you, can he? He could come in and sow a doubt. There is no heaven. And you would rise up on the inside of you and say, no. See, that seed is taking root. That's all the way down on the inside. You, you got that one down. He's not pulling that one out. So his goal is to make sure that any other word that you get, that doesn't get that rooted in you. So first off, we try and steal it. And that doesn't work. So if that doesn't work... You can't take it away from your, from your heart. Then he goes on in verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Think of it this way. You picked up a new diet. You heard so-and-so was on this diet and they lost so many pounds in such a short time and we're enjoying the things they eat. Have you ever heard somebody like that? I'm enjoying the things I'm eating. 
I'm liking the food and I'm losing weight. Oh, this is good. Bruce is back there. He's, he, he knows this. He's got this down. Talk to Bruce. <laughs> he, you know this is working. And so you talk to that person and you get a hold of the program that they're on and you bring it in and you are excited. You are excited about this and you are going to lose whatever amount of weight that you, it is that you want to lose. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay with this. So and so, they lost 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. Oh, I, I saw what it did for them to have more energy. They're doing better. I'm going to stay with this. And you are excited. And you can't wait to get, get going. And you get the first batch of food in or you start buying the, 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 the food that you need for that. You start making the recipes up. Oh, you are excited. You make it all up and you, you get that thing going. And then... You lost two pounds. Yeah, I thought I would lose more weight than that. All right, but we're still, we're still going on with this. We're, we're still keeping on with, with this thing. We're going to still stay with it. And so you stay with it, and you stay with it. But you're not as excited. You go out to the store, and you buy the stuff that's out there, that's on the menu, and you bring it on home, and just not, I mean, you, you bought it, it's here, but I'm not as excited as I was. And then as you get less excited, pizza becomes more exciting. Maybe just one. Maybe just one pizza. Maybe just one trip out to Chipotle. Right? How many calories? How many calories are in a, uh, uh, one of those burritos? Is it only 800? Is it not? There's a lot of calories. They, they pack those things full. I get excited when we go to a place like Chipotle. I even get more excited going to Moe's because Moe's will not only put in sour cream, and I love sour cream. That is the food of the gods. Because sour cream makes everything better. But not only will they put sour cream on your burrito, they will put guacamole on it. My family knows I'm having a thing with guacamole right now. I cannot get enough guacamole and avocados. We were at a restaurant this week, and uh, Nikolai, he, he says to me, he says, oh, they got a burger with avocados on it. I looked at it over and says, hmm, hmm. So I looked over the rest of the menu. Nothing looked better than the burger with the avocados on it. So I got it and said, oh, this was so good. Those avocados, whatever they did to them, they were incredible. Piled high. So high, it was just sloppy. Stripping out all over avocados. Oh, it was good. But you see, you get excited about, I don't know how many calories were in that burger. I didn't care. But you know, you can get excited about some of those things and your excitement for the diet is starting to wane. And your excitement for other things is beginning to, to pick up. And then once you hit that spot, you know, well, we were staying with it seven days a week. Now we're staying with it six and a half. Now it's six. Now it's most meals. Then it becomes... One meal out of the week. And you know, if you don't stick with it, how much good will it do you? It won't do you any good. And you go back to Bruce and you say, Bruce, I, this diet didn't have the same effect that it did for you. And Bruce says, well, how long did you stick with it? A whole week. See, so it, it begins to wane. Things come in and it begins to erode your enthusiasm. As it erodes your enthusiasm, ah, not quite as excited. How many of you got excited about an exercise program? 
and you went out there, you joined the gym, you went into the boot camp, you went into the whatever class they had, and you were excited about it, this is great, and then the day after happened. <laughs> and this muscle is sore, and you can't walk, and you can't lift your arms, and I didn't sign up for that, I didn't know, I didn't want all this kind of pain, no, and so your enthusiasm has begun to, to wane, and this is a tactic of the enemy. He wants to get your enthusiasm for the word that you heard to wane, to begin to lessen. It says, these likewise are the ones on the stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. The persecution that will come in your life is because of the word that is in you. When you get that word and you put it in, persecution is going to come for the purpose of discouraging you. Not just to let go of the word of salvation. Whatever word has been sown in your life, whatever it is, we did a series on, on authority. And some of you got word sown in you on authority. And you got excited about that. If I do this, but the excitement on it can wane. Because persecution will come because of the word. One of the things that was, was in there is that submission is not easy. All right. So when it's hard, this is, this is submission, this is good. And after a while, you were dealing with something and it was hard. And you became discouraged. And your own ideas begin to come up. And you begin to, I think I'm going to do it, do it this way. I, I don't know if you have noticed this pattern. But there is a pattern in the Word of God that every single person, every single one in the Word of God who followed instructions, divine instructions, was blessed. Can you think of a time when someone in the Word of God received divine instruction and wasn't blessed for following it? Can you think of some people in the Word of God who received divine instruction and did not follow it. And how did it go for them? Not well. So in the Word of God, we have story after story after story, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, all over the place of people who received instructions and the ones who obeyed it were blessed and the ones who did not obey it were not blessed. They had problems. Time and time and time again. We had the parable of Jesus who said the one who built the house on the sand is like the one who hears the word and does not do it. Then you have the other one who builds his house on the rock. He's like the one who hears the word and does it. Is there not a pattern that continually follows in the word of God? If you are in a position to receive word, to receive instruction, and you do it, you'll be blessed. And the enemy constantly pulls us out of places where we are receiving instruction and tells us, you don't need anyone to give you instruction. You should give yourself instruction. You don't need to help anyone else's ministry. You just need God to put you in your own. I'll tell you what, folks. The best place to be is in a place where you receive word, where you receive instruction. And have the opportunity to obey it. Because that's where the blessing is. 
so much blessing. So much. Don't ever try and get out of that. It is so good to be in a place where all that God has to do or all that authority has to do is just say, do this, here's the instructions, and you go out there and you do it. You can be a Saul. Saul, go out here, destroy the Amalekites, do this, 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 and this. You can, and he comes back, he doesn't do it, he doesn't get blessed. You could be like Israel who goes up to Jericho and they say, when you go to Jericho, march around the city this, this many times, this many days. On the seventh day, do it this way. And then after that, do this. And he gives them all the instructions. And what do the children of Israel do? They follow them, to, they, they follow them exactly. And on the seventh day, they all blew the trumpets. They all, and the walls fell. They burned the city. And they all followed the instructions exactly. And God blessed them, right? Except one person. One person. Out of all the millions that were there, one person decided not to follow the instructions. What happened to that person? That's not good things. So here's what the enemy is going to try and do. They have no root, so they endure only for a time. He's going to try and get you into a place where the Word of God will not take root and will not endure. And when the persecution comes because of the Word, you will falter. If you can't steal it, this is his next line to, to come after you. Verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That's where Damas was, wasn't it? He had a love for the world. Then he left Paul, deserted him. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It was fruitful because you cannot become unfruitful unless you, had the, unless you did produce fruit or had the least potential to produce fruit. It became unfruitful. So I summarize it this, this way. The enemy wants to neutralize the word in you. First off, he wants to make it gone. Secondly, he wants to make it dry up. And third, he wants to make it unfruitful. That's what he wants to do. He wants to first off make it gone. If he can't make it gone, he wants to make it dry up. If he can't make it dry up, he wants to make it unfruitful. He's got other tactics beside that. And we've gone through some of the other places in the word. We'll see these. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So you were going well. You were running well. You were going in a good direction. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This permission does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven lumps, leavens the whole lump. A little. If he cannot get those other things to work, he's going to take some leaven, some, some untruth, something false, something that is not of God. Something that might be 95% true and 5% false, but it seems like it came from God. You prick it up like it came from God. You treat it like it came from God. And once it got in you, once it was in you, it says it leavens the whole lump. I'm going to get that little leaven. He's going to try and replace the word that is in you. He's going to first off try and neutralize the word. If he can't do that, he's going to replace the word. Let's get something else in there. Let's get something in that once it's in there will begin to permeate your entire being. 
In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to, uh, to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So these two got up, and they got this revelation that they came to them, and they didn't judge the spirit of it, and it said that the resurrection, it's already come. It's already passed. We're already living in the next kingdom. And they began to teach that to people, and people bought into it. And they overthrew the faith of some. But don't do it. He says, shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. This is that little bit of leaven. This is that little bit of leaven that comes in. Once it gets in, it begins to permeate your entire being. It permeated every gospel that they had. You've got some people that go out there and they preach grace, 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 grace. All they want to preach is grace. God accepts everyone. God accepts everyone for... No, you know what? God loves everyone. God will accept everyone into the family, but then God begins to work on getting rid of the sin. He doesn't try and get rid of all your sin on the first day, but He begins, begins to deal with you about some things and begins to take off some, some stuff. Sometimes we have this idea, no, grace is there. Even people haven't come into church. Even people haven't received Jesus Christ. They'll still get into heaven because grace covers all sins. It's wrong. Now, Damus is said to have forsaken Paul, having loved this present world. Basically, folks, he choked. He choked. The thorns came up. He had, put, he had walked away from all those things, but they came back up again. And he began to pursue them. He began to go after them. He began to think about, oh, I was thinking about this over here. And see, this is what the enemy wants to try and get you to do. Because wherever it is, whatever it is that you do that's bringing word into your life, he has got to try and first off, stop it. Because the biggest thing he's got to do is to keep you from getting the word. If you get the word, then he's got to try and steal it. If he can't steal it, he's got to try and dry it up. If he can't dry it up, then he's got to try and choke it out. If he can't do that, He's going to try and corrupt it. He's going to try and put something else in there to mix in with yours. And then you have a problem. It begins to permeate your entire being. And people have come to you and they say, that's, that's wrong. That's not gospel. Look at the Word of God. Look what it says here. And no, I, got, what I, I got it from God. I got it from God. No, folks, that's, that's not the way we got to go. We got to listen to what's being said. We've got to listen to the things that we're being taught. We've got to receive the word. What is your plan to receive word? You ought to have one every week. Every week there ought to be something that you're going through to get word in. Showing up here on Sunday morning, this is great. It's a great being in church on Sunday morning, it's a great place to learn word. But there ought to be more that you can do beside that. What else do you have in your week to make sure that more word is being sown in you? You can listen to podcasts. Some of you folks like to, to sit down and read books. You can read that. Make sure we have a, a daily reading program we do here. Make sure you're in the Word each day. Make sure that you, you pick that up. I heard Brother Keith talking about that with his, with his church. And he says, don't just pick it up and just read it to read it and get it done. 
Read it like, God, you have a word for me today. You have something you're going to sow into me today. And pick that up and do it. Change it up for yourself. I, I've told you before, I've changed up each year. I, I pick a different translation just to mix it up a little bit. And sometimes you're reading that translation. Wait, did it really say that? And I begin to pull up something that's more familiar to me. New King James or something like that and compare it. And, oh, I see what's going on there. And uh, this, this year I'm going through with the Weist translation of the New Testament. But pick a translation, pick something different, do something different. But it's just five chapters a week. You've got to get, get through there. If you want more than that, you want to take on the Old Testament, great. Pick up a couple of chapters. I believe Keith has told us before, if you do two chapters in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament, you read the whole Bible. I thought you needed a little bit more than two chapters in the Old Testament, but um, I'll trust him on that, default to him on, on that one. You can go through the, the entire thing. But be reading the Word of God. Every day, be reading the Word of God. Be meditating on the Word of God. Listening to the Word of God. Letting God speak to you. What is it? What are the avenues that God has to put Word in you? It's got to be good Word too. Don't get that, that uh, cheap stuff. You can, all, you, can, you can eat good food. You can eat lousy food. Isn't that right? You can go to McDonald's every day and eat one of their burgers. I don't eat McDonald's burgers. I can pick on McDonald's because I don't eat McDonald's burgers. I was, uh, I was desperate on the, on the way. I, hadn't, I think I didn't eat much the day before, and I was going off on a delivery. And Well, you know, it's, it's not real good to be working, carrying all these beds up into the houses and all that. Without, so I stopped by McDonald's. I didn't realize this before. They have terrible pancakes. I thought at least they could get the pancakes right. I mean, how can you mess up on pancakes? I ate those things, and I thought, I, I would rather have not eaten anything at all. Oh, man. They do make a good yogurt parfait, though. That is, uh, that is one thing I can, I can eat there. But, you know, you can, you can eat food that's good for you. You can eat food that's not so good. I mean, ice cream is a good food, right? It's not necessarily good for you. It is a good food. But you've got to find ones that are going to be good for you. What's going to help you? What's going to be better for your system? Of course, it's great when you're at home and you buy all the fresh ingredients and you make that on up. But sometime this week, how many of you know, sometime this week, you are not going to have time to prepare a really healthy meal at home and you're going to go out somewhere and you're going to eat something. How many of you will admit to that? I'm going to go out. I'm going to eat somewhere. There's better choices than there used to be. But you've got to make sure that you, you get that, that good stuff. We listen. I'm always looking for new podcasts. I pull up a new podcast. With, we're going to listen to this brother. We're going to listen to this sister. See what they have to go. And the, the thing that frustrates I don't I don't get frustrated because they don't teach me anything new. I get frustrated because they don't get into the Word of God. They talk about the Word of God. They talk about motivational things. They talk about things to make you feel good about yourself, stuff like that. But they don't get into the Word of God. I want to get into the Word of God. I want to hear what the Word of God has to say. Make sure that you're getting some, some, some good food. Find, find a way to get the Word of God into you on a regular basis. Get that Word into you. So important that you do. So we put these things in here for you at the end here. Staying spiritually aware. You need to stay spiritually aware. You need to keep yourself going. Keep yourself spiritually aware. You look at anyone who, anyone who does anything. If you're... Um, uh, Lamar's got his, his uniform in here. He's in, in military. They, he's got to stay sharp. You've got to stay sharp on guns, right? He, he has to show up at the, the shooting range and shoot the gun. 
Because we do want our military folks that when they have the guns and they are aiming them and they are shooting them, that they're shooting them at the target that they intend them to be shot at. That's a, that's a good thing. So we like it when they go out on the, on the uh, field and they begin to practice and they begin to do these, these things. Jolly was in the, in the military and he had to, you had to go out there and you had to practice. They, they required. You had to go out there and you had to shoot some. You got to practice these guys. And if you don't keep doing it, you can't just say, well, I hit the target a number of times. I'm good. No, they, they expect you that you keep being tested, that you keep going at it. You got to do that. Some of you folks who play an instrument, you can't just say, well, I've learned to play this instrument and now we're good. No, every day you keep practicing. Every day you keep tuning that up. Every day you keep going out and doing that again. You got to stay with it. You got to stay sharp. If you don't stay sharp, what's going to happen? You're going to get rusty at it. It's not going to come as, as well as it did before. Some folks can type really good. Some folks can type 60, 70 words a minute. More than that, maybe. And you got that way because you practiced. But if you don't type for a year, two years, whatever it might be, and you go back to try and type, you may eventually get back to it. But at first, it's, you're a little rusty. You're hitting the wrong keys at times. You're uh, not spelling all the words quite correctly. And you have to go back and your, your count has gone down. We've got to stay spiritually aware. Just because you have the ability now to discern something, whether it's God or whether it's not, you need to stay on it. You need to stay with it. Don't let it, don't let it stop. Don't let it, uh, don't let it quit. We were, um, one of the shows we all like to sit down and watch as a family, and some of you might watch this too, one of the most popular things I've seen shared on Facebook and shared in uh, YouTube, uh, America's Got Talent. How many like that show? I like that show. It's, it's kind of fun. But, you know, when they do the first ones, you have to wonder, why did you show up on national television to do the thing that you're doing? I, I don't know. But then after you get through all the auditions and stuff like that, we, we're now up into the judges' cuts and, and things, and we're watching some of the people, and they're doing their performances, and they would ask me, what have you done to improve yourself since the last time? And, well, we practiced. Just about everybody would say, well, we practiced. And then when they got done and they, they, the, ne- the next one came up, sometimes you look at this and say, wow, they... They really did. They've been working at this. They've been, they've been doing some things. And other ones that got up there and you practiced? And you're worse now than it was before. This is terrible. You've got to stay aware. You've got to stay sharp. Here's the things we ought to do. First off, guard the seed you have and get more. Guard the seed that you got. Understand the seed that is in your life, the enemy sees as valuable and dangerous. And he wants to take it. Whatever seed is in you, the enemy sees this as valuable and dangerous. It is dangerous to his kingdom and he needs to get it out of you. He will come after whatever seed is in your life. You need to guard it. You need to protect it. You need to make sure that that's that's, uh, that's guarded. How many of you ever had in your pocket a $100 bill? Are you more conscious of the paper bill in your pocket when it has two zeros after the one than you are when it has no zeros? 
Have you ever been carrying around a $100 bill, maybe even two $100 bills, in your pocket? And you know it's in there. And it's worth $100, not one. $100. How many of you have ever gone in and reached in your pocket? Yep, it's still there. Yeah, just, just making sure. I don't want, to, don't want to pull it out and show everybody that it's here, but I do want to make sure that it's, that it's in my pocket still, that it hasn't fallen out. And, uh, or if it did, if you go in your pocket and it's not there, <gasps> suddenly, oh, it's, and then you realize, oh, it's in a di- I moved it. I put it into a different pocket. And you feel okay about that. But you're a little bit uh, upset. There was, a, there was a young boy. He greeted me out here in the parking lot uh, uh, one day. And he said, sir, do you have change for a, for a $5 bill? He, he went at five ones. And I had no ones on me at all. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any ones with me. But I wanted to help him out. I didn't know if he had something he was trying to do. And just, you know, I don't know what you needed ones for over fives. So I asked him, I says, why do you want five ones for the five? And so he pulled out all his dollars and he had a, a, a pack about that thick of $1 bills and then this single $5 bill. And here's what he said to me. He says, if I lose this $5 bill, I've lost five whole dollars. If I lose one of these, I only lose one. That's why he wanted five single ones. Well, sorry, I can't help you. And he had gone to all the different places in here, the Dairy Queen and the pizza place, and he told me all the places he had gone to, to looking for someone who would change out a $5 bill for a five ones so that if he lost one... <laughs> so was, he saw that value of that $5 bill and it was making him nervous. You've got you to gotta know the value of the word that is on the inside of you. You've got to know the value of that word. You folks have a lot of word in you. You pursued the word. You have pursued God on things. You have a lot of truth on the word of God. People in the world need to know it. You need to see it as valuable. If you treat it as valuable, they'll see it as valuable. Guard the seed you have and get more. Guard it. Give the word in you attention. Give the word in you attention. Don't ignore it. Give it attention. Just like you got to give that diet attention. Just like you got to give that exercise program attention. Just like you got to give those kids attention. Whatever it is that's in your life that's important, you've got to give it attention. Sometimes we got born again, we got following after God, and we gave the things of God all our attention, and then we begin to wane. And we're not giving it quite as much attention. You won't stay as sharp, you won't be as aware. You're not going to grow in knowing the voice of God. And we can always be growing in knowing that it's the voice of God. It is one thing to know it's the voice of God for God to speak something to you about your life. It is a whole nother level for God to speak something to you about someone else and you need to go inside and say that to them. That's a whole nother level. There's more levels beside that. Don't just, be, don't just master the level that you're on. Go for other levels. There's more that you can do. Give the word in you attention. If you have plants in your house and you ignore them, it's, it's not good. It, it doesn't, how many of y'all know, it does not work well. You've, you've, you've been over to our house. You've seen the reef tank that we have in there. I love keeping a reef tank. It is a lot of fun. 
Not everybody considers it fun, but it needs constant attention. Things that you would not even think about have to be constantly monitored. The water level, if it gets too low, the salinity begins to change. The pump begins to run dry. If the pump runs dry, the circulation in the tank isn't as strong. If the circulation in the tank isn't as strong, the bacteria can't work on the poisons that build up inside of the water. So everything becomes affected because the water is not flowing. The water is not moving. There's more effect than that from not having the water move than just what I told you. The corals in the tank can't feed if the water is not moving. The, cool, the tank in the summertime won't cool off if the water's not moving. The water won't heat up if it's not moving. It's not getting access to the heater. There's all kinds of things that become affected by just that one aspect. There's a number of different parameters that need to be, be checked. One parameter I check almost every single day. Almost every single day I pull out my test kit and I test to see where that is. I add stuff to affect that every single day. The fish have to be fed. Fortunately, the fish don't have to be fed every day. If I am busy like on a Wednesday and the light's not on by the time I leave, they fend for themselves. There's stuff growing in the tank. They can eat it. They just got to go hunting a little bit more. They just like it when I come in there and dump all that food in there for them. But you know, even when you feed them, there's other things you got to do. You got to turn off this motor and turn off this motor and then, and then get that thing going on. You got to, there's all kinds of parameters that you need to look at. And some people just don't like doing all that sort of stuff. Checking things. You got to check out the fish. You got to look at the fish. How are they doing? Is something growing on them that shouldn't be? Are they damaged? Is somebody not showing up? Somebody not come out for a little while? All these kind of things. And the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of things that I add to the tank once a week. Some things that I add twice a week. Some things I add every other day. And you got to keep it straight when all that's going on. There's a filter bag. I have to keep straight when it's changed because if you leave it in there too long, it can cause damage to the tank. When was the last time I did a water change? When was the last time that I changed this resin that was in there? When's the last time I checked this particular filter? I've got four different filters that operate on the tank, all of which must be maintained separately. That sounds like work to you. It's fun for me. If it's work for you, that's why you don't have one. But all these things must go on. If you let it go, it's fine for a day. It's fine for two days. Three days, it starts to get, some of, the, some of the more important ones start to get a little noisy. But you can take care of those and not take care of the others. And then pretty soon things begin to build up. There are things that build up inside of a reef tank's water that you can never see. But it will kill the inhabitants. It will hinder them from growing. It will have negative effects upon them. So you must constantly get in there and maintain it. But see, Christians, we, we, we're walking, we're doing okay with our Christian life, and we begin to back off. We begin to not push it as much. Well, you know, I have all that I need. From I'm, I'm doing fine spiritually. I'm walking okay. I seem to be uh, doing okay on my job, and, and things over here are fine. But God wants to take you further. Give the word in you attention. Proverbs talks about that. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. It's important. 
You've got to constantly have these things in, in front of you. What do you do to give the Word in you constant attention? What do you do to do that? There's got to be something in your life you do to keep that getting the attention that it needs. Sometimes you're listening to, to somebody teach and they remind you about a principle. Oh, I remember that. I need to keep that in front of me. These things help you out. Give the word in you attention. Here's the third one. Watch out for choke hazards. I'm amazed at how many moms have an eye for choke hazards. You know, don't give them that piece. It's too big. Don't give them that toy. It's got small things on it. They can choke on it. How many times? Dads don't say this. Dads do not have this in their vocabulary. We do not say, be careful, you'll choke on that. But moms do. Moms have it in there. How many have heard from your mom? Be careful. Don't choke on that. Don't play with that. Don't do that. You'll choke on that. We're, moms are constantly looking at that, aren't you? Aren't you moms doing that? Constantly looking at, you know, are you going to choke? Is there a choking problem here? What's, what's going on? We're always watching out for that. We've got to watch out for it in our Christian life. There are things around that the enemy wants you to choke on. You've got to watch out for choke hazards. It's trying to get in there and choke out the word. So what it's going to do is the enemy brings things in your life that you can begin to enjoy. You know, you might have one, two, three TV shows that you like, but then he's going to say, oh, we're going to find 15, 15 TV shows that you like, and you're going to have to watch them all. And he's going to get you hooked on, you got to, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? And then pretty soon you're putting all this time into the TV shows. And my grandmother was, was uh, this way with, with certain ones. She had, uh, uh, what do they call those things in the daytime? Um, the soap operas. She had, I think, three of them that she watched. Three, and she would call them, I have to go watch my stories. <laughs> that was her phraseology for this. Do you remember that phrase? Yeah, I have to go home and watch my stories. And there was no DVRs, there was no VHS, nothing like that. You had to sit in front of the TV and watch the show. And so in the middle of the afternoon, I don't know what time they came on, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, whatever time they came on, she'd be there and she'd watch the one show. Weren't they like an hour long? So far it's like an hour long. And watch that one and then watch the second one. Then just constantly watching these things. And then she would go off from there and talk about the stories as if these people were real. Now, my mom didn't catch on. That she did not pick that up from, from her mom. She did not watch it. She, we weren't allowed to have those things on. Not that we wanted to have those things on, but if we wanted to have those things on, they were not allowed to be on. No, no, no. We do not have Because the, these are things that begin to creep up in your life and begin to take time out from the Word of God. It's fine that you have some things that you enjoy that are apart from the Word of God. It's all right. You can go out there and have some of those things. But... Don't begin to have them creep up so much that there's no time for the Word. There's no time to give your attention to the Word. There's love for other things begins to, to pick up. And we begin to love this. And we begin to love that. And we begin to want this. And then pretty soon, some of the things that the Word of God says, don't do this, we now have a love for it. Adam and Eve in the garden. You can do anything you want to. Eat from any tree in the garden here. Just don't eat from this one. What do they want to do? I, I'm, I'm, I would love to try out that tree. And they begin to have a love for that tree until they tried it out. God says don't do it. If God says stay away from it, He's got a reason. 
It's for your good. It will help you out. You may not die as soon as you touch it. But it doesn't mean that what God says won't happen. Watch out for choke hazards. Number four, beware of leaven. Beware of leaven. Don't let false doctrine begin to creep in. There's a lot of it out there. The Word of God told us many false prophets have gone out. Many false prophets have gone out. There's a lot of folks that are going out with a wrong message. They heard the wrong message from God. They, they blamed it on God. They heard the wrong message in the Spirit, blamed it on God, and went out there and began to teach it, and began to preach it, and began to live it. Beware of leaven. It's out there. It's trying to get in you. There are some people that go by the name of minister who teach leaven. You got to make sure. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. How do you know that? How do you, how can you pick out leaven? Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. How can you know? Simple. Go back to 1 John. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits whether they are of God. Are they of God? My wife and I first got together. We would go to a church service and she would hear something and she didn't know a whole lot of the word back then. But she'd say, that just didn't seem right to me. You're down in her spirit. Her spirit saying, it's not of me. That your spirit will tell you. You do not know all the truth, but your spirit knows whether it's of God. And so when you hear something taught and your spirit is sending off fireworks, no, no, no. I don't have to find out if that thing is true or not. My spirit is telling me it's not of God. But if I hear a message and I'm not so sure that that's true. I'm not quite. That kind of goes against some of the things I already believe. But in my spirit, it says pursue it. Pursue it. Check it out. I feel a good thing in my spirit. Well, I know All right, this could, this very well could be of God. I need to check this thing out. I need to take it back to the Word of God and see. But beware of leaven. Because leaven is going to try and come in and, and choke you out. We need to test the spirits. We need to test them correctly. Whether they are of God. You need to get out of the place where you're just trying to find out, should I take this job or should I not? Should I make this investment? Should I not? Should I buy this car or should I not? You've got to get way beyond that kind of a stage, folks, and begin to move in. And what is God showing me that I need to do? How is God showing me to minister in this situation? These are the things that God wants to take you on. Much, much greater things. Word of God says that when you prophesy, prophesy according to your faith. Because not all of us are at a place where we hear God real well. You ever heard somebody prophesy? And you say, boy, that didn't sound good. That didn't sound right. Test the thing whether it's of God. Just because a come, person comes to you and says in the name of Jesus and gives a word for you in, in prophecy does not mean that you did it. It does not mean that you should accept it, that it's any good. Just because someone said, thus saith the Lord, does not mean that he has said that to you. You need to check it out. Has God said that for me? Is it beneficial? Down in your spirit, folks, you're going to hear some things. Is it good for you to do it? Is it just a fear-based thing? Word, a word may come up on you. If you do that, you'll die. You've got, you got a tumor growing on the inside of you, and it's going to kill you. You ever heard something like that from the coming up in your? Uh, just comes up in your spirit. 
What do you mean I got a tumor growing? And fear begins to get hold of you. Is that God warning me about something? But he speaks things about life, doesn't he? He speaks things with you having a future. He speaks things about having good thoughts concerning you. Doesn't mean he won't speak things that are corrective. But he has good thoughts concerning you. He breathes life. The disciples said of Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? That's what his words are. His words are life. When you hear something and it gets you to distrust somebody who's important in your life, when it gets you to want to sever a relationship that has been beneficial in your life, when it gets you to want to quit a job that is helping you paying your bills, when you get mad and you want to do it your own way, and you feel like in your spirit it's coming up, yeah, 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 go ahead and do that. Folks, these are not things that God does. He doesn't do those kind of things. Listen to the voice of God, but find out, is it God saying this to me? Too often we let circumstances and what's going on around us dictate whether it's God or not. God has called me into this job because I feel good about this job. Because things are going well at this job. Because i got a raise at this job. doesn't mean that God's in it. doesn't mean that God's not in it if you don't get a raise. What's your purpose for being there? God may have a purpose for you being there. And you may not like it. You may be like Jeremiah. I don't want to give this word. People don't want me to give this word. People don't like it when I give this word. People are tired of me giving the word of God. I'm tired of giving the word of God. I'm tired of people not responding. And he wanted to quit. But he did not quit. He kept on going. Because God said, this is what you do. This is what you need to do. To go after. The word that comes to you is important. God will speak to you. God will tell you some things. You need to test it out. Is this from God? Is this... If God said it, then you hang on to it. You hang on to it with everything you got. Because Satan will try and take it away. He will try and remove it. He will try to get you to stop following after it. He will try and get you to go after a way that is different. Because if he can get you off the Word of God, he can get you off the thing that God said to do, he will alter your life in a negative way. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Understand the enemy has plans for you. He has an attack plan against you. But God has a way to stop it. All you need to do is hear what God says and do what God says. Don't let it go. Stay with it. Stay with it. And God will bring it about. Would you all stand up with me? As we pray here this morning, we want to pray for some of the folks around the world that have been going through a lot of tragedy. A lot of things have been going on. A lot of people have been dying. A lot of evil people are doing evil things. Sometimes we look at that and we say, oh, I just want to get out of this world. just want to go on. doesn't seem like there's anything we can do to stop it. But you know what, folks? We can. And we can stop it. And we can stand against it. And just because something went on in France or something went on in Turkey or something went on in another part of the country and it does not affect us does not mean we should not be engaged and should not be praying. Because there are brothers 
and sisters in other parts of the world who are suffering right now because of what evil people have done. And we can stand with them and we can pray. Some of those folks that were affected by the guy who drove the truck, some of the folks that were affected by the rebellion that took place in Turkey, some of those people, folks, have a word from God. A word that has told them to do certain things in that country. And when this tragedy hit, they're feeling discouraged. They're feeling like they want to quit. They're feeling like letting go of the word that God told them to do. God, I didn't realize I would lose so-and-so. I didn't realize that this would happen, that this tragedy would go on. I didn't realize this is hard for me to continue. Folks, we need to pray for those, those people because the enemy is out to discourage us from doing what God said. And he will use circumstances, anything else that he can, to get us to stop. We get our dissatisfaction with people, dissatisfaction with the world, dissatisfaction with what's going on, to get us to quit and to stop. Just like Jeremiah, he wanted to give up, and he had it rough. He kept going. Let's pray for these folks here this morning. Father, we pray together. Lift up the brothers and sisters that we have in other parts of the world who have faced all kinds of tragedy, all kinds of hardship. We pray for those even in this country who have undergone all kinds of hardship and the shootings and the things that have gone on here. The Father, these things have come even into the lives of those that have a calling on you, that have a word from you on things they're to do. Some of them are facing discouragement. Some of them are facing a hard time going forward. Some of them want to give in to the thoughts of giving up and not doing what you asked them to do, not doing what you called them to do so that your kingdom would be affected. But Father, we pray for them right now that you would lift up their spirits, that you would remind them of the call that is on their life, of the word that you have sown on the inside of them. Remind them of the plans of the enemy and the tactics of the enemy. That you would bring people along their path to encourage them and lift them up just as Paul needed someone to replace Damas. You can send people into their lives to help them. Father, we don't want to be one like Damas who got born again, showed growth in their spiritual walk, had usefulness of ministry, engaged in ministry and did things, and then all of a sudden, because of the love for the things of the world, left what he was called to do. Father, we don't want to fall into that discouragement. And we pray for those as well and the things that they face. We pray for others that they would stay and do what is needed for your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. Before we, before we end, if you're here today and you say the word that is in you 
the enemy has come against. He's tried to steal it. He's tried to get you to neglect it. He's tried to get things to come up, to choke it out. He's trying to get you off of the Word of God that you have. If you're here today and you say, that's me. Enemy's trying to get me off of the Word that I know I'm supposed to do. The things that I know I'm supposed to do. Raise your hand up. We're going to pray for you. not going to call you up here, but see those hands. Father, you see the ones that have risen their hands, raised their hands here today. Discouragement is trying to set in. Things are going on. Try and get them to quit, to stop, to not do what you put on their heart to do, to not hold to the word that you have sown in them. But I, Father, I thank you. That word is coming to life. That word is being renewed. We will not allow circumstances to take the place of your spirit. We will not allow other people to take the place of your spirit. We will not allow other spirits to come in and take the place of your spirit. For what you have said to us, we will hold true to no matter what. You have not forgotten us. You have not forsaken You said in your word you would not forsake us. Father, I thank you. That you are mindful of our place. You are mindful of our task. You are mindful of our calling. You have not forgotten. Pray, Father, for these that raised their hand today. That are aware of the attack of the enemy. Against the word that is in them. That word will stand. As long as we don't let it to be stolen. Don't allow it to be neglected. Don't allow other things to draw our attention and choke it out. Father, I thank you that you are growing us up. The enemy meant meant for us to be destroyed, but you're going to turn around and take this and make us stronger. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We have some praise reports.
guess God's just not going to answer my prayer, even though we prayed specifically and asked for no surgery. And yet God came through. Amen. Ray says, I praise the Lord for my, the blessing in my life called Angela. Praise God. Um, I'm not dressed today as I intended because I, I and became very frustrated. She reminded me that the Lord must have something in store for me, something important for me to hear, but the enemy would not have tried so hard to stop me from coming. Um, that realization got me praising all the way to, to uh, pick up Susan and Anna and praise him for being here. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, do you want to do that before I do the announcements? Do. Oh. Yeah. Susan had a prayer request for her neighbor Paul, who's in the hospital, who's in the ICU with meningitis. He is not a believer. Are you going to have the opportunity to minister to him? He's in Lehigh Valley, and he's your neighbor. How did he get up in Lehigh Valley? Wow. Could could well be. Well, let's pray together and believe God for ministers to come along. You've sown seeds in that area. Uh, I'm sure in some of your conversations about healing. And so let's uh, pray for ministers to be brought up and sent over to, to him where he's at. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just thank you that you have plenty of laborers and plenty of workers around and that you will find one and dispatch him to Paul's room to minister to him about the things of the gospel, about the things of Jesus as our healer. For Father, you healed those whether they were saved or unsaved as a testimony of your power. I thank you, Father. That will go on here. Raise up the your workers, Father. Send them over to where he's at. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I have a couple announcements. Um, last year we did Operation Christmas Child with shoeboxes. How many remember that? Not me. I'm sorry. We're, gonna, we're still doing them. We're still collecting shoeboxes back there. But what I did was I took account of um, what items we have just to uh, stock the boxes with. And there's still some needs, so um, while clearances are going on through the summer and that kind of thing, and if you see certain things on sale, um, you can pick them up if, if that's uh, on your heart to do. So I made a list, and I, I printed them out back there, of different ways that you can get involved, either by um, donating the items to be uh, put in the boxes, or we're making and assembling different things. You can see these are all back there. You can see them better. But what we're going to have is assembling days. So at those days, um, anybody can come. I just told Ms. Glass about it, too. It's a wonderful thing for the kids to be a part of, too. Um, we're going to be assembling sewing kits, clotheslines and pins, um, bead bracelets, toiletry bags. And I like this little one here for the kids. It's called a zoo on a stick story. And um, it's just really cute, just putting foam animals on popsicles and putting them, popsicle sticks, and putting them in bags, and the kids can use those. And the other idea is just if you not interested in doing any of these but you want to donate some money toward it there's a box back there that's um, designated just to to that I was talking about it with somebody this morning and, and it's easiest if you donate cash rather than a check because if it comes to us and it's not marked specific for that and I put it towards your your contributions I can't give you tax credit for something that goes to another ministry it would have to come directly from them does that make sense so it's just easiest if you use cash, and I know <laughs> where, it, where it's going to. Um, the other thing that's back there on the back table is I've been asked to provide some notes for the last prayer and praise night that we had. Because a lot of people didn't have paper and pencil to write things down. So I just wrote it. These are just notes, um, but they're back there. It goes over what we discussed as far as praying effectively so that we know that we know that when we pray, whatever we pray, we're going to get answered. 
right? I mean, there's a lot of times that people pray. There's many people praying throughout the world that don't get answers to their prayers, and it's because they're not praying effectively. So we're studying and, and, and just pressing into how we can pray effectively, how we can be sure that every time we pray, we get what we ask for. Amen? Amen. So these notes are back there. If you'd like them, um, you can pick them up, and also the uh, Operation Christmas Child. If you have any questions about it, please feel free to ask. ask. And then next Saturday... Don't forget, this coming up Saturday, ladies' breakfast, ladies' prayer breakfast. Bring your prayer requests, and, and if you want to bring a, a meal with you or something, that's great. Okay? Wednesday night, y'all can stand up. We're gonna, ready to go here. Wednesday night, midweek service, Brother Keith is going to bring the word. That's uh, information for that's in the bulletin. And uh, so we ended our first Kings, or our Kings series, and so we're between series here right now. So he had something that he, was, he had received, and we're going to hear that on Wednesday night. So that would go on, on then. Also, I put a tentative date in there for the church picnic. We usually try and shoot for somewhere around the first Sunday of the month. That's usually the one that we have our coverage dinner on. So that's going to be the 7th. That's the one we're targeting right now to, to do. So that will be, be happening. Just keep that on your, on your calendar. I'll give you more details on that as we, as we get going. Um, I think that is it. Next week, next Sunday after church, we will have the end times class. We're looking at the vision that was delayed in coming to Daniel because the enemy thought so much about this vision that he put opposition for it coming. So we're getting more into the meat of that and, uh, and what's going on in, in there. So that'll be this Sunday about 1 o'clock right after the service. Get time to go out and get some to eat and then we'll start off about 1 o'clock here on this, this Sunday. Have a great rest of the day and bless some folks before you go.